T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Whether you vote early, in person on Election Day, or by mail, there's a substantial part of your ballot that you may not give as much thought to as the rest, it's the part that has to do with judges, and it's the voting that could have the most direct impact on you. We're going to take a closer look this weekend. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. There are about 60 candidates for the Circuit Court of Cook County on the ballot in Cook and judicial candidates in the other counties as well. In Cook, there are also more than 60 judges running for retention. But what do we know about judges, really? How do we, you know, judge them? Well, you get help, and it's hoped that you get the right help. My guest this weekend can tell you where to find some of the best help when it comes to judging judges and judicial candidates. Lisa Lanier is the chair of the Judicial Evaluation Committee of the Chicago Bar Association. The Bar Association, that alliance of lawyers, actually judges those who want to become or stay judges and puts out a guide every election cycle. Ms. Lanier is an attorney, and she's not just any attorney. She is a prosecutor. Specifically, she is the chief of the Criminal Prosecutions Bureau of the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. She can talk about what you need to look for when you decide whom to vote for, what you shouldn't consider, and why we should be voting for judges anyway, and we're hoping to talk about all of that. Risa Lanier, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, let's first start with some of the basics uh, for people who may not have already voted and gone, oh, is that what that was? Um, anyway, uh, but not all judges are elected, but a lot are, right? That's correct. So some judges are appointed to become associate judges by those judges who are elected. And that's a completely different process. Right. And, but, and also explain the retention part of this, because, you know, about half of what people are going to see on their ballots, or depending on where they are, uh, are retention votes as opposed to voting for judges themselves, sort of. Correct. And so once a judge has been uh, voted in, to their particular position, every so often they are up for retention. So they're up for re-election, so to speak. That's what a retention uh, election is. It's simply a re-election for those judges who've already been elected to their positions. And I believe it comes around every six years for those particular judges. Okay. And then, I mean, and that's a chance for people to decide whether they want that judge to continue. And that's why we need the kind of ratings that the uh, CBA does. But how do lawyers rate judges? I mean, what, what are the things that 
you look for when you're putting out your ratings? So for the Bar Chicago Bar Association, we we actually have a very in-depth evaluation and investigation that we do of all candidates for uh, judicial office. So whether you are a retention judge or whether you are running for the very first time, and even for those who are um, on the list for associate judge. So any candidate for any judicial office, be it circuit court, appellate court, or Supreme Court, if those candidates choose to be evaluated by our committee, then we do have a very in-depth uh, evaluation process. And that begins first with a submission of their questionnaire to the Chicago Bar Association. Now, there are several parts to this questionnaire, including your background, um, if you are a sitting judge or a current judge, your previous assignments, if you are an attorney running for a judicial position, your previous uh, employment. And then more importantly to our process, what we ask for are references. We ask for references in three different categories. We ask for judicial references. So as a lawyer, judges that you've appeared before, or if you are a current sitting judge, we ask for uh, references from either your peers who are also judges, but more importantly, your previous supervising judges, because we do want to reach out to them. We also ask for what we call adversarial references. And here is like the good part, right? We are asking for people, if you are a judge, we wanna know the names of the litigants who've appeared before you so that we can reach out to those litigants and ask them questions about their experience. Because really it's that experience and that perspective that allows us to really do a comprehensive evaluation those lawyers who've had an opportunity to appear before those judges, who've had an opportunity to assess the qualifications, so to speak, of those judges as they are engaging in litigation before them are of the best ilk, so to speak, to speak about the qualifications of those judges and whether or not they should be retained. Now that's for retention judges. For candidates who are running for judicial office for the first time, we also ask for their adversarial uh, references. And those would be those persons who have cases against them. And also judges that they've appeared before because we do wanna hear from the legal community about their experiences with these candidates. And specifically, when we interview those references, and, and of course, all of our interviews in our process is confidential, because that will then allow people to express their true feelings. And what we're looking for are, um, we, we're rating people in several categories, uh, that being their integrity, legal knowledge, your legal ability, your judicial temperament. How are you on the bench? How do you maintain control of your courtroom? Your diligence, especially as judges, how long does it take? for me to get an opinion from you? How long is my case going to linger in the courtroom? And that's really especially important when you think about uh, judges in the criminal realm, where you have people who may be incarcerated waiting for their case to move on and to be resolved one way or the other. How long is my case going to linger on this judge's call? Their punctuality, are you on time? Do you have people waiting? for you to start court, especially those private attorneys who have to go from courtroom to courtroom to courtroom. And also their professional experiences um, are, is important. Uh, if you were a judge in your previous assignment, how well did you do in that previous assignment? And is that an indicator 
of how you're going to be going forward. How are you growing in your assignment? How are you growing in your legal knowledge? And of course, we also want to know whether or not the candidate has the current physical and mental ability to perform the essential functions of the job. So that's what we look for in our reference section. Of course, we also ask for personal references, but frankly, I mean, you're listing your friends. If they don't say good things about you, then maybe you should reevaluate your friendship. So that's the reference section. And then we go a step further with the Chicago Bar Association. Now we also want to know uh, whether or not you have been the subject of any disciplinary proceedings. So if you're a sitting attorney or if you're a sitting judge, we will contact the Judicial Inquiry Board to determine whether or not there are any sort of uh, proceedings that have been started against you. And it, of course, we're only entitled to receive things that are in the public record. Um, and so we look for that information. For attorneys who are running for judicial office, we contact the Attorney Registration and Disciplinary Commission, the ARDC, to figure out how many times have proceedings been instituted and why, uh, more importantly, why. We also do a comprehensive search through um, our own uh, clerk's office to make sure that these candidates don't have litigation pending against them. Are you a named litigant? Are you, do you have foreclosure proceedings against you? And what does that say about your qualifications to sit on the bench? And then finally, if you are a sitting judge, we want to look at the appellate court. Any decisions that you've made that have been reviewed by a higher court, we want to look at those decisions to make sure that you've not been criticized in writing, or if you've been criticized, if you've been overturned, we take an in-depth look at those cases to see what that means and how that will affect your qualifications. We put all of that together into an investigative report, but we don't stop there. Then we call you in for an interview and we'll have the judge before our hearing panel. And our hearing panel will ask questions based upon that investigative report. And then after that process is done, that's when we vote. And for purposes of this election, for retention judges, you are either found qualified or not recommended. For judges who are running for the first time or persons who are running for the first time, you can be found highly qualified, qualified, or not recommended. And then we post our findings on our website for the public. Now, Risa Lanier, for all the work that you do, it must be a little bit frustrating uh, to know that among voters very often, and I, I guess there must be surveys too that say this, that people aren't really either thinking about it or knowledgeable about uh, that part of the ballot. I mean, how, how much is this being passed over in your in your view you know and that's the unfortunate part because the average citizen won't know where to look in order to find this information and that's why it's really up to the bar associations and it's not just the chicago bar association that does this but pretty much all of the bar associations to ensure that we are meeting the public where they are and getting our findings out to them for the Chicago Bar Association, we do that via our website and also our other social media um, handles, whether it's Twitter or Instagram. But on our website, www.chicagobar.org, under the Vote Judges tab, 
you can find our rankings for every single judicial office that will be appearing on the candidate on the uh, ballot for this general election. Mm. Now, what should people, I mean, this is an opportunity for people, very frankly, to decide the future of who's going to be on the bench and why should that be more of a focus for people who are going into the uh, polling places than it is right now? And, you know, I always say that when you vote for judges, it's just as important as voting for the mayor, the governor, or even the presidential candidate. Because when you think about it, judges really touch every part of our society. The decisions that they make makes a difference in all of our lives going forward. For example, what the average citizen doesn't understand is that the judges and the decision that the judges make can have a huge uh, import on the way that they even conduct their lives. For example, judges in traffic court make decisions as to whether or not someone will maintain their driving privileges or not. That could be the difference for that particular family as to whether or not someone be, uh, remains employed or not employed due to transportation issues to get to their jobs. Judges make decisions about the very makeup of our families, those who sit in domestic relations court, whether or not uh, someone is granted custody of their child or the type of visitation and things of that nature. And of course, when you think about the criminal realm, judges make decisions about freedoms and, and all of the collateral consequences that attach from um, getting a criminal conviction. So when you think about it, judges are just as important in our society and ensuring that we have judges who are unbiased, free from political pressure, and who will administer justice evenly and um, equitably across the board are the ones that we need sitting in, our, sitting in those places. And I would think that sometimes people who, who aren't experts in the law uh, might feel, well, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not qualified to choose between, if you look at the ratings and see that three people are all qualified, I, I don't know if I'm able to make a an intelligent decision. How can people themselves know that they're doing the right thing? And so here is what I will say in terms of that. And of course, I'm from the Chicago Bar Association, and I'll say, look at our ratings. But from one average voter, citizen voter, to another, um, me who may have just a little bit more um, information in this area, I would urge every citizen to compare those ratings from bar association to bar association to uh, make sure that you are as knowledgeable as possible. And then, of course, understanding the process that I just laid out about what the Chicago, how the Chicago Bar Association reaches its findings you can at least be reassured with our ratings that these judicial candidates have been put through their paces. They've been evaluated and they've been investigated. And so if they're found qualified or highly qualified, then you can rest assured that those ratings are based upon um, us taking an in-depth look at that particular candidate. Now, I want to also ask about uh, something that actually happens all the time, but uh, gets more Play or has gotten more play in the last year or two. Uh, 
the fact that sometimes judges make headlines. And yes, it can be a judge who frees a suspect who on bond who then kills someone. It can be a judge who jails someone who mouths off at him, uh, you know, during court proceedings. It can be a judge who, you know, launches an investigation into the work of a state's attorney. Okay, that last one is not hypothetical, and you probably can't talk about it. But, but what should people make of headlines and, and when a judge finds him or herself in the headlines? And so, unfortunately, that is the nature of the work that we do. And, and especially as lawyers, as judges, that you may find yourself uh, on the cover or in the pages of the Tribune or the Sun-Times. And here's what I will say to the uh, voters about that. I think it's really important to, yes, take a look at the articles, take a look at the news stories, but with perspective. Because what we're looking at is a snapshot of a judge's career or a lawyer's career. So you have to take that information coupled with things like bar association evaluations in order to really make an informed decision. Um, but should judges be worried about being in the headlines? Because let's face it, some of these judges, as you said, are in campaigns uh, in one way or another. And does that not sometimes weigh on judges in, does, can it cloud a decision that they might have to make, worrying about how it's going to be perceived? And so, well, I can't really speak to whether or not a, this will cloud the decision of, of a judge going forward, of the, you know, not wanting to be in a headline, things of that nature. We would hope that it doesn't, right? Because we are trusting our judges to apply the law fairly, equally, but accurately in every single situation. And that may mean making hard calls that are not um, popular decisions. And so we wanna make sure that when we have people who are elected to these positions that they are ready for such a position and ready for such a situation that you may make a call that may not be popular, that may land you on the front page. And I will equate this to what's going on in the current election with all of the ads that you see where one candidate is attacking the record of the other candidate. That's the same thing that's, being hap that's happening across the board. And so again, you know, it's up to our citizens to make sure that they are armed with the type of information that will allow them to make an informed decision at the polls, regardless of those ads, regardless of one um, newspaper article. You're listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking about judicial retention, and we may also talk about judicial independence. We're doing this all via Zoom conferencing with Risa Lanier, a leading Cook County prosecutor who also chairs the Chicago Bar Association's Judicial Evaluation Committee. And you just made a perfect segue into something else I wanted to talk about, and that is the fact that judges are in a political realm in many cases. And there, I mean, there are Republican judges and Democratic judges, and there are some million dollar campaigns, depending upon how high up the ballot you're going on that. Should judges be in politics? And so here's what I will say uh, about judicial independence. It really is the cornerstone of our democracy because of the fact that judges are required to 
apply the law fairly and equally. And so we have to be careful when you um, think about judges um, being backed by a particular organization um, because, or we need to be careful about any ads or any sort of um, rhetoric out there that says that judges are backed by a particular organization because really that type of speculation innuendo could affect their ability to, um, to be voted into office or it could be used to unfairly discredit those particular candidates. Um, so, but however, what I will say, going back to the part about judges being free from any sort of bias, we do have to ensure that the candidates that we are electing to office are free from that sort of bias. The last thing we would want is any sort of candidate, whether you are judicial or otherwise, to be beholden to an organization and to the mission of that particular organization and apply the law in support of that mission, which may result in unfair application to the rest of, to any other litigant appearing before them. So judicial independence really is very important. But now is, does our system allow for that easily? I mean, judges are going to be elected. They are gonna be in, in campaigns. Should judges be elected? And I don't know if the Bar Association has a, has a s s complete position on that. And no, and I don't think that we do, because if you think about it, we do have a system um, in Cook County where there are some judges who are not elected, some judges who are appointed by other judges, and those are associate judges. And interestingly enough, the exact same question can be applied in that scenario as well. Should those judges be appointed by other judges? Uh, should other judges appoint associate judges? And so you have it both ways. And that's not a position that, should, that the Chicago Bar Association is going to take but what or is taking. But what I will say with our current system, um, particular to this election with the, those people, folks who are running for retention or running for seat uh, for an office seat for the very first time, that in the Chicago Bar Association, when we do our evaluations, when we do call these judges in, we are asking questions, not just based upon their qualifications, but if you look at that integrity piece, it also includes whether or not these candidates are free from bias, whether or not we believe that these candidates will apply the laws fairly and equitably and accurately in every situation. And so we are looking for that. We are looking to make sure that these candidates are free and that they are independent of any of their benefactors, independent of their, that their, that their um, decisions will be independent of their political affiliations. Um, you know, I've, I've heard arguments for and against uh, the election of judges and someone uh, uh, made a, what I thought was a, was an interesting and persuasive argument that the bench would not be as diverse now as it is. And there can be a lot of arguments about the bench needing to be more diverse than it is, but it wouldn't even be that diverse uh, if it were not for this hybrid system that Illinois has to, to put people on the bench. And I mean, does it seem like that to you? I mean, doing it different ways, seems to give more chances for people to be a judge. 
And that is very true as well, because we, again, at the bar, at the Chicago Bar Association, we see candidates who are running and also candidates who are looking to be appointed by other judges. And we do see diversity across the board. And so this type of hybrid system does give folks an opportunity where they may have been unsuccessful in one area or one um, in, in, in one bucket, whether you're running, to then try again in the other. Um, and again, we do see diversity across the board and we welcome that diversity. We need that diversity um, on the bench. Uh, folks who represent the communities should be the ones who are making these decisions. And so I will say, especially in recent years, over the last 10 years or so, we've seen more diversity on the bench. And of course, being elected allows you and gives you that, that opportunity to, um, you know, to, to run if you are, you know, to see more diverse candidates. Well, is it a bit of a tightrope? And frankly, I, I would think it uh, is also for, for, for prosecutors, for people on both sides. The diversity is desirable, but in most cases, technically, judges are supposed to decide on the law. But how important is it to have different perspectives on the bench? Because, you know, you're supposed to be deciding on the law and the law says one thing, but why is the diversity so important even in that context? And so, and I'll put it to you uh, like this, it's, we know that in our everyday lives, no matter who you are, that our experiences anchor our perspective. And so the same is true for, for judges. And the more diverse judges we have, the more we have the ability to, number one, let's just put it this way. Number one, we learn from one another. And so if we come from diverse backgrounds and diverse cultures and we engage in conversations, um, for example, if you and I were not of the same culture, then we would have the ability to learn from one another, to understand each other's perspective, to understand those backgrounds, to understand the nuances of those communities. And that is what's important. Because when you look, and I'll speak from the angle of, of a prosecutor or someone who's practicing criminal law right now. When you look at the different communities that make up Chicago and Cook County, and you look at the um, the experiences in those communities, those judges who are part of those communities understand better than any other judge the root causes for some of the crime that happens in that community. And when you talk about equitable application of the law, you have to take into consideration when you're making decisions about someone's freedoms, about someone's life, what it was that pushed them into making the decision that they did. And if you understand the community that they come from, the struggles that they face, that allows for better application of the law. And so I say that across the board, whether you are from the black community, white community, Asian community, Latinx community, it doesn't matter. Um, that we do need that type of diversity because we need people and judges who understand the makeup of our communities, the historical inequities of our communities and why they are made up the way that they are as they consider decisions that will affect the lives of these litigants. And do you feel and believe that you can, that 
there's a line that can be drawn where, all right, the law, right here, regardless of how I feel about it, this is the law. Um, is that, I mean, is that part of it? That you have to be able to, at some point, say, yes, I understand, but this is wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. You still have to, despite who you are or what your beliefs are, you still have to apply the law accurately. Um, just one last uh, part, because we are just about almost out of time, is one more time, let people know how they can find information to help them decide when they go into the uh, booth or fill out that ballot, who is on it about judgeships. Yes. So the Chicago Bar Association has taken the guesswork out of choosing the qualified candidates for judicial for this judicial election. You can find our ratings on at www.chicagobar.org under the vote judges tab. We actually have a principal pocket guide that you can take with you into the voting booth to assist you in determining which judges are most qualified for this position. That is Risa Lanier of the Chicago Bar Association. Thank you for all the information and for all the, uh, the perspective, too. Uh, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There should be a link at the bottom of the page. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then... I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.